Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Colts cast. We are here to talk about everything and anything Indianapolis Colts. My name is Eric Smith, co-host of the Colts cast. Alongside me, as always, I have co-host Jamal Lawrence here. What's going on? Yo, yo. Look, guys, please be sure to follow us on social media. Twitter handle, at Colts cast. Instagram is just at Colts cast without the the. You'll see a lot of episodes posted on there, posts from us, polls we run, exciting highlight videos, anything in between. Go ahead and check us out on there. So... We actually tied the Texans. I, I'm still a little shocked over that. Mm-hmm. I think I'm in like stage three of the griefing stage, but I, I still can't <laughs> believe it. Tied them 2020. Unbelievable. However, the show must go on. Let's hit the reset button because we are still tied for first in the AFC South. So chin up Colts Nation. We can still go undefeated just with a tie. Now we head to Jacksonville. Dun, dun, dun. Can't remember the last time we won there, Jamal. 2014. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Had really? it ready, boy. <laughs> You're lying. Swear to you. 2014. Yeah. 2014, guys. I was hmm, I was still in college. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's been a long time. Wow. But, yeah, you know, last year, last game of the year, ended our season prematurely. We're not going to let that happen again now, will we, Jamal? Better not, but there's some things that are going on here lately that we're going to get into um, that may that may sway this one way or another. I was looking at last game, like what happened at the end of the season. Like Jonathan Taylor, he was held to 77 yards on 15 carries. He was still averaging over five yards a carry. Like that's still really good, but he only had 15 carries. Um, Carson Wentz, of course, was sacked six times, turned it over twice. Trevor Lawrence had his best game against us with the playoffs on the line. We turned it over three times on downs. The list goes on. It looked like self-destruction. That's what I saw. Mm, I agree. But let's just get into it, Jamal. Let's look ahead to the future. You know who we got to talk about, though. We have officially waived Rodrigo Blankenship. Officially. What is that? Yeah. What, what does that mean for us now? Ah, that means we are in the business of finding a new kicker. And we actually have two kickers that we have trying out for us to see who's going to be hopping on that plane ride on down to Jacksonville here. The two kickers, Chase McClellan and Lucas Havriski. Havriski? Havaris. Havaris. I'm going to go with Havaris. All right, I like that. That'll work. I added that extra while in the end. I don't know why. Um, but these are our two new guys, man. Chase, if you remember, Eric, he was actually with us back in 2019. He was uh, with us for four games. He's been bouncing around the league since then. But then Lucas, he is fresh out of college. Well, he was at Arizona. So we have an interesting little dynamic going on here. Of course, the biggest thing we're looking for in our kickers is going to be some consistency. It's just been horrendous for us, absolutely horrendous for us. And we really need to have this upbeat new kick come out. So with Chase and Lucas both battling for the position, 
I'm curious to see, but I just want to kind of talk about for a couple minutes Chase's stats, uh, you know, just kind of how he's been along, and I want to get into Lucas a little bit. So starting off, uh, his career stats, 37, 49 from field goal, so 75.5% field goal percentage, uh, his longest being 57 yards. But here's where I think that it gets really important for us, and we have to remember. In the range of one yard to 19 yards, uh, one for one. 20 to 29 yards, 9 for 9. 30 to 39 yards, 9 for 9. I'm going to skip over 40 and to 49 yards because that's one I want to talk about a lot. But 50 to 59 yards, 8 of 9. Extra points, 67 of 69. So he only missed two. But let's backtrack to that 40 to 49-yard range. Mm. Because I'm talking 10 of 21. Oof. So much consistency. From 1 to 39 and 50 to 59. But what happens in that 40 to 49 range? Not sure. That scares me. That scares me a little bit. A lot of bit. Yeah, I I actually picked up on that too when I was looking at his stats. Chase McLaughlin, he's, he missed 6 of 10 of his 40-plus yard attempts last year. Mm-hmm. But then it's 50-plus yarders. He made all four of them. That's so – that's interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, we're going to be in a situation for 40-yard field goal if we take him and have to just run – get a high snap or run the ball backwards for 15 <laughs> yards. <laughs> make it easier for him. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so it's, interesting, it's just a really interesting dynamic. Um, then we look at Lucas, uh, who was at Arizona. While he was there, went 34 for 53 on field goals. 73 for 78 for a PAT, so those extra points. But what I really liked about him, man, is his touchbacks year after year. This dude, he was a long kick specialist for him while he was at Arizona. And he just literally, for most of his kicks, they're going out the back of the end zone. And we saw what happened last game when we had two kicks go out of bounds. Chiefs got the ball. Or, oh, Chiefs, goodness gracious. Um... Texans got the ball on the 35-yard line, and it was just – it turned into a, a shit show for us. Some, a situation where we could have controlled a whole lot more of the game had we got that ball to the end zone. So I like to hear about the strength of his leg uh, for getting that ball back there into the to the end zone. But also, while he was at Arizona, 50-plus field goals, he made five of them, including two at 57 yards, which was school record. So – He's got a little cannon on him as well. I, I, I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, of course, his field goal percentage overall, not the best, so that scares me a little bit. I know he's younger, and you can develop that some, but I don't know how much time kickers really have to develop in the league. I know they kind of bounce around a lot unless you are you know, these elite kickers like we've had in the past, the Mike Vanderjats, the Adam Vinatieri's. Um, you know, unless they're those guys – you, you kind of bounce around the league. So I don't know that we necessarily have the time to develop, but in this crunch mode that we're in right now, I'm really curious, really curious to see how these two guys have been performing. Yeah. Lucas Haveris hype train. It seems to be on the move. I don't know if you saw that video that surfaced with him hitting a 70 yard field goal during practice. That's wild. Yeah. He's got the cannon. Cause that's very impressive. However, like you mentioned, field goal kicker in college for Arizona. That is, that is unremarkable. (laughs) So I'm a little worried about that. Just, just like you are. I'm surprised we didn't try to pick up Michael Money Badgley. 
No, he did well for mm-hmm. us, right? Sure did. Did he not? Man, 85.2% field goal kicker for us, along with 100% on extra point attempts? I don't know. I'm just saying. But I just want to talk about Hot Rod a little bit. I mean, we all knew it was coming. Hot Rod got released. Change had to be made. He missed that short game-winning field goal in overtime to seal the deal. Kicked it out of bounds twice on a kickoff. It was a poor performance, but it wasn't his first time performing that poorly. So I think it was time for us to move on. I think this is one of the reasons we were so high on Jake Verity early on in training camp. I think deep down, Jamal subconsciously, we wanted Verity to pass Blankenship and become a better kicker for the Colts' sake. I I really think so. And... But we, we we have eyeballs. We saw that Blankenship was performing better. They took the safe route out. However, it seems like we should have introduced a little bit more competition during training camp to ensure we had the right kicker. Because week one, we already released our kicker right after. So very exciting times. Let's see which kicker wins out. Made the better kicker win. Jamal, Ryan Ballard, they finally shown us they can make one right move in the right direction. Are there any other changes you think we need in the near future? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> right. Uh, because it, it's, it's just, it's just simple that we, we have continued, continued year over year, over year, over year to have the same drawn out long speech. One and oh, one and oh, we're looking to go one and oh, we're looking to go one and oh, ironically, Frank Wright hasn't gone one and zero since his tenure in Indianapolis, mm. so I don't really know how we can keep this mantra going. And I understand it's just a weekly concept of one and zero, guys. Relax, I get that. But I'm just pointing out an obvious fact that we haven't actually started off one and zero once in his tenure, and it's and it's it's bugging. I mean, as I've mentioned before, at what point do we take a look at? Everyone else around us that we've we've turned the table with, we've signed players, we've done a little bit more, we we've done everything that quote should get us to where we need to be, but coaching staff hasn't really changed as far as head coach goes, and we see the same result. You know the definition of insanity, man. We can't keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. We're just going to continue to be where we are every single year, and it just makes me nervous. The worst thing to be, at least in NFL, I, I would think any professional sport, is you're not bad enough to tank, so you don't get the best pick. Exactly. But then you're also not good enough where you don't make the playoffs. So mediocrity is, to me, is one of the worst things that can happen. And the Colts, that's exactly what happened to them last year. Even mm-hmm. though we've shown we can beat the best of the best, we're the only team to blow out the Bills last year. We tore them up. But here we are. Ah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do think, at least for that question, the one thing we should have done in the past to move us in the right direction was sign Julio Jones. I don't know if anyone watched the Tampa and Dallas game, but man, he looked good. I, I told y'all he was looking good. He even carried the ball two times on the ground. Why are, we, why are you giving a 33-year-old carries out the back? Come on, man. You all saw that deep pass from Tom Brady over Anthony Brown, right? Now... Imagine that, but with Matt Ryan throwing the ball to Julio Jones instead of Ashton Doolin on that downfield attempt. Mm. Who catches that ball? 
who has the better bet to catch that ball? Because we saw Doolin, it kind of went through his hands. Mm-hmm. Julio would have caught that. I'm willing to bet that. I don't care if the odds are minus 250. I would have bet that. So Julio Jones, in my opinion, was the best veteran wide receiver available outside of Odell Beckham in terms of talent and skill. Uh, who cares about fit? I, th- that, that was the whole I, – I saw it a lot on social media. Julio Jones doesn't fit our wide receiver core. We need someone, you know, speedy, shifty. No, we don't. We I, I take the best player available. Worry about fit later. For all the drops we had last week, it's evident we could have used more veteran wide receiver presence. So now we don't. We don't have that chance anymore. So we just have to hope our guys can pull it together in the upcoming game in Jacksonville. So that's all I'm saying. And I like that you touched on Julio because I, I agree. He he would have been the better fit. He still is the better fit for what we would have there. And I think one of the biggest problems that we've also run into and another change I would like to see in the near future is to lose this like Colts mantra of of like upstanding citizen players. Like I told you, Ballard doesn't have any interest, not only because he because Julio doesn't quote fit in with our needs a receiver but it's because he doesn't like controversy all every player every player on the Colts is a it's a good guy home guy you know nothing never in the news no nothing which is I mean of course you don't want you don't want your players being like the Raiders players or you know always in trouble and all that stuff but in all honesty you got to have some grit man when you have all these just oh we have the composure and this and that no these teams that are out there doing they got some dogs on the field they got people who are ready to come out every single week and grind for what they have. Again, I don't know if any of you guys watch Hard Knocks, but like you talked about before, Jamal Williams crying in an episode, man, this dude was showing his passion. Like, he was ready mm. to get out there and grind. I just yeah. feel like besides Shaq Leonard, and which was, I mean, obviously he's cut above everybody else, but besides him, you know, I don't know our next player who has that grit, that griminess to them, who who will just come out and, and be that dog. JT is a respectable guy. Love JT. He's a respectable guy. He is like that class act that the Colts are looking for. But Julio can be that that fight that or could have been that fight that we needed at that position. And not to mention, like you said, it's not like him and Matt Ryan doesn't have any kind of history together. I mean, they only played together for years and years and years. No so. history at all. Yeah, we'll just skip over that part, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's wild. I would like to see that in the near future, though. Yeah, well, I that window might have closed, but oh well. I think we'll still be all right. Yeah. Should we expect to see Shaq Leonard this week since you were just talking about him? Ooh, man, I think so. I think so. Full he, full practice yesterday and today. guess we're going to find out tomorrow, uh, you know, when the final practice report comes out. I think that we have to have him out there. We need that boost of confidence. Like I was just saying, he is that guy to come out and make it happen for us every single week. So we need to have him out there. Uh, I think, I think if personally, if I think if Frank Reich values his job, he'll get him out there in the field. He'll figure out a way because <laughs> you can't, you can't go, you can't start off zero and two, or I should say zero one and one. Let me let me correct that. Zero one and one. You can't start off like that. So we need to have. Shaq out there we need him facilitating because he is the he is the heart of that defense from the, the play knowledge to the to the chemistry that he brings to the field when he's out there yeah he's trending in the right direction I think we need him because we have to win this game this is a 
in my opinion, a must-win game. So he moved up to full participant this week. Let's unleash the maniac. Where we already have a litany of of questionable injuries going into this game. I think it'll clear up, you know, by Friday or Saturday, because we we have a number of of A list players that are just limited or missing practice. I think it's precautionary, but we'll we'll find out in the coming days. Yeah, let's hope so because Pittman Jr. missing practice, Moore second missing practice, Buckner missing practice. Pierce, concussion, missing practice. I don't like to see four names on that list. This is what we talked mm. about all summer long that we wanted to avoid. And it's it, and we got lucky during the preseason where we didn't have anything. But now we're starting to see it kind of change. And Alec Pierce, obviously, he got smoked on that hit. So we know what it calls his. But I just hate to see these other guys already having these aggravated injuries because these are ones that can hurt us all year long. But We'll be back after a quick break. If if you look really well at the revenues of the different clubs and so on, like AC Milan uh, has had uh, a kind of dark time of uh, around yeah. the decade, right? You know, we we kind of uh, fifteen years ago we were leveled with Man United in terms of revenues, uh-huh. uh, Madrid and Barca, right? Sure. Like they've all taken off, they've all really developed commercially. AC Milan kind of stayed pretty much flat in terms of revenues until like three years ago, the new kind of leadership team. Came on board and started looking at things in a in a in a different way. So we also acknowledge, you know, we 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 have a lot to do, uh, a lot. Yeah, we're thirty and thirty nine all time in week two, and have not won in Jacksonville since twenty fourteen. What do we need to win this game? All Tell me. All hands on deck is what we need. We need everybody to come out there. We need to play like this is the Super Bowl for us. Because when we play like it's not an important game to get to the playoffs, we lose. So we need to act like this is the Bills from last year. This is the best team in the league. We need to come out guns blazing. I mean, I need just phenomenal play calling. 60 minutes of play the entire game on both sides of the ball. If we're going to control the clock, then we need to be grinding and scoring on each drive. We we can't keep having these drives where we're not scoring. We have to at least get a field goal out of everything. And I know that no team can be 100%, but if we have the mentality that it's okay if we don't score on one or two drives, then that's going to lead to four or five drives not being scored on. So we have to have the mentality that we need points every single time we touch the ball and we need defense we need defense to get some turnovers for us this week we saw what happened when we got that turnover ej speed came out got the turnover last week that strip sack and that was just a burst of confidence quitty pay got those sacks burst of confidence so we need defense to be out there as well trying to break up some of these pi calls we were getting and and just get out there and and grind that's what i was gonna say too i was gonna touch on i want that turnover heavy defense and that starts with Shaquille Leonard getting back out there with some forced fumbles. We need that interception leader from a few years back to step up. Yeah, I'm talking about you, Stephon Gilmore. We need those big plays on defense, and I think that'll happen. But just as a team, we need to execute in the red zone. We dropped way too many scoring opportunities. We should have won by at least two touchdowns against the Texans. I mean, we should have. Come on, guys. I didn't see anything from Trevor Lawrence last weekend that made me think, oh, he definitely took a jump from last season. He was 24-42 for 275 yards, touchdown and pick. 
that's good for around his normal completion percentage of, you know, under 60. And he loved to throw picks last season. So I want our defense to capitalize on every mistake he has. I want to make sure he's the QB with the most interceptions in the league by the end of week two. I want that to happen. And not to mention, the Jaguars are still not a great team. They have holes way more than us. Even with Brandon Scherf on their offensive line, they're still below average. Even with Christian Kirk signed to an absurd deal, they're, they're just below average wide receiver core. Let's let them self-destruct. How, Eric, you may ask? Well, they had 13 penalties last game. Guess who had more penalties than the Jaguars through week one? Nobody. Let's control the time of possession by allowing Jonathan Taylor to move those chains and set up the pass. Executing the red zone. Let them self-destruct. Yo, if I see Alec Pierce, if he plays, or Ashton Doolin make another big play drop when it hits them square in the hands with no defender on them, I'm petitioning to have them release. Nah, let me chill out. But we need some other players to step up besides Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. I was just kidding, guys. I do not want them to be dropped. I want them to step up. That's what I think. Simple enough. Simple enough. They have to step up. Um, if they don't, I mean, I like what I like what Reggie Wayne said. He said, you know, he talked about Alec Pierce dropping that catch and and getting the concussion. He said, I mean, with a week like that, all only place you can go is up. The only direction you can go is up. So I I want to take that and and hope that's the motivation or something he needs. He's got that those rookie jitters out. You've hit the field now. You got a game under your belt. Time to step up, Ashton Doolin, man. You're supposed to be that guy for us now, too. And and if Pierce isn't in, I mean, somebody's got to shine. So who's going to step up? I, I'm hoping because, uh, <laughs> oh, well, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. If, if, if they start. <laughs> and one more thing, more too, jobs. before we before we move on with that, I just want to say, because I know you talked about how the Jaguars haven't gotten better um, or since last year or anything like that, but you got to think, dog. This is this is their game where you know they look forward to us coming down there. This is like their this is their one game for them where they probably have the most confidence because what's better than beating a playoff caliber team and just dogging them like they do every time we go down there. So you know they get they get enjoyment <laughs> out of this. So I like to think that they're they're coming out on their A game. This is the one game where no matter how bad they're doing they're about to come out there and try to play next level football whenever they know we're rolling in town. So uh, we got to be ready for it. I didn't say they didn't get better. I said Trevor Lawrence didn't. <laughs> right. I don't think he took a huge jump. All right. I mean, well, they, yeah, they definitely got better, but they're still, to me, in my opinion, a below average team. They're still rebuilding. Mm-hmm. First year coach after that disaster last year. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence leading the league in interceptions. Uh, Trayvon Walker. But. Anyways, Jamal, what's our next question? All right, next up for us, man. Who on the Jags should we be worried about? I'm going to say this. Watch out for Ez Rusher, not quarterback, Josh Allen. Mm. I think his stock is going up. This year, they they drafted Trayvon Walker for the other side. I think that pair is going to be a nuisance to deal with. I think he, you know, Trayvon Walker is still in that developmental stage, Uh you know, Aiden Hutchinson was that more developed NFL-ready pick. But Trayvon Walker, he's still a freak of nature. So he's going to be on the other side. And 
Josh Allen, why I'm really worried about him is mainly because of Braden Smith's struggle in that tackle position on the right side. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen's going to be lined up on that left side, you know, opposite to him. That's why I'm a little worried about if Josh Allen's just going to have a field day with him. He has best season last year. His tackle numbers and coverage stats went higher than any other year. And we're talking about Josh Allen here. Um, We'd like to think Braden Smith's going to bounce back from his poor performance against the Texans. He's supposed to be one of the better right tackles in football. Supposed to be. He makes $17.5 million a year, so I expect him to produce. I'll bet on him playing a better game, but you asked the question, who am I worried about? I'm, I'm giving you the answer. I, I think we, we really need to watch that right side. Got to protect Matt Ryan. Yeah, I actually had Josh Allen down as well, man. Um, man you stole all, man. Uh, Here we go. Here we you go. stole my notes. <laughs> yeah, I did. You shouldn't have left them up. Nah. <laughs> nah, for real. Josh Allen, though, I mean, like you said, dog, that his rookie campaign was phenomenal. Ten and a half sacks, I think he had his rookie year. And, of course, 2020, he had the knee injury, but bounced right back in 2021. Numbers got better. Coverage got better. Sacks were down just a couple, but. That was supplemented because his tackles went up. It makes me nervous. Braden Smith, that, that makes me nervous for him. I mean, like you said, he's got to come out ready to go. He, I don't know what prep, pep talk he needs to have with himself, but you got to know that with someone like that coming off the edge, man, you got to be sitting. You got to be sitting low with that weight on your heels, bro. Talk you, to him I, because if you got your, if you got that weight on your toes. And a dude like that come and swim you, push you, sidestep you, yo, it's over. It's over. And Matt Ryan going to be out there looking like bent pasta. So <laughs> we don't need that to happen. I need this man to be ready. I don't care if that means we got to put Naheem back there as well to help try to slow him down. I know he's small, but we got to have something. JT, I don't know. But we got to make sure we contain him, double team him, do something because it can get vicious out there. And like you said, seventeen and a half milli, Braves is making. I mean, that's 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 big boy numbers. So you got to be able to produce. So, mm. well, I'm glad we're on the same track here. We're we're a little worried about our better right tackle, but hey, it happens, right? Yeah. Uh, if we lose, do we still have a chance to win our division? <sighs> no. I I think I think if we lose, it's done. And and I'm gonna tell you why. Because if we lose. That means we start off, we go into week three, home opener against Chiefs, 0-1-1. If you remember, we have seven, or excuse me, five division games in the first seven weeks. So let's just be honest here. There's not going to be a lot of confidence for the Colts if we start off 0-1-1, then have to have the Chiefs come into town who are about to play the Chargers tonight. So you know it's going to be a wild game. They're coming off a huge win. They could potentially win their home opener tonight for them. It's going to be hard to come in with confidence and win at home like that. Then, the following week, you got the Titans at home. So, that scares me. Because we have an opportunity, not opportunity, but we have a chance of going 0-2-1 with the Titans rolling into town. If And if it's like that, I mean, where, where could your confidence be? You, you, will, you will literally have none. I can't imagine what will be going through their heads if we come in 0-2-1 with the Titans coming in. Yeah. You put it like that, I'm scared now. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, one loss isn't going to put us back. It's just the 
feeling of tying the Texans and then losing to the Jaguars, it's not going to paint a great picture, you know, moving forward. So I think you may be right. Coming home to the Chiefs in week three after starting the season 0-1-1, that's just going to be a nightmare that I don't want to live. Especially after week one, we just need a dominating performance from everyone against Jacksonville to keep the ship steering in the right direction. Not to mention it's one of our divisional games. Out of all the games we play, I, I would like to win those. I, I prefer to win those because this is a, it's a two birds, one stone. One of our divisional opponents get a loss, we get a win. Helps us out a lot. So we really need to win this. Let's give the Jaguars a second loss of the season. And let's come home and whoop them. Excuse my language. Excuse my French. Fucking Chiefs up. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> well said, man. Well said. That's going to be it for us, everyone. I want to thank everyone for tuning into the Colts cast. We release episodes bi-weekly. Go ahead and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any platform you use to listen to podcasts. We will be back on Sunday to give you some more Indianapolis Colts content. Have a good weekend, everyone. Take care.